when you do. Andy was American. <laughs> <laughs> I want to turn to Isaiah uh, 58. Hey. I was trying to figure out, uh, there's a wonderful presence here tonight, Alan. Um, This is a very special chapter, and I think it relates to the church here and in the work you're doing. I'm just looking for my Bible on my iPad. <laughs> too many apps. Help me, Lord. This is a chapter that the Lord uh, gave me when I was pastoring, when I first started pastoring. Um, some 20 odd years ago. I'm not pastoring anymore. I've been traveling for 20 years and uh, people ask me, would you pastor again? And I tell them, if an angel appears to me, there's writing on the wall and I hear the audible voice of God, <laughs> I might consider it. <laughs> <laughs> Because really, you really you don't want to do what God hasn't called you to do, do you? I mean, that's, that could be the worst thing you can do yeah. is to try and function in something that you're not called to function. And um, w when I left the pastorate, well, the last two years of that pastorate, I was drunk in the spirit. And uh, I'd put in, um, I think it was 12 years in this one place. Uh, a lot of work on a renovation and uh, church was doing something similar to yourself. It was very community orientated. And I said to the Lord, Lord, all these years I've put in and uh, now I'm itinerant. You know, I haven't really seen the fruition of it, of the work I put in. And he said to me, John, if you'd stayed, your ministry can become a prison. In other words, the work that you're involved in, if, if you're not following him and doing what he's telling you to do, it can become a prison if it's just ministry, if it's just religious works. Uh, the most exciting thing is to be able to do what he tells you to do. And I can honestly say from the bottom of my heart that the last, uh, well, it must be 20 years, is it, 94? 97 launched, um, what's that, 97, that's what, 17 years? Last 17 years have been the best years of my life, ministry-wise, the most exciting, uh, the most joyous, uh, the most challenging, but it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful just to, to follow the Lord. Let's, let's pick up Isaiah 58. Um, uh, let's pick it up from verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. That's God's chosen fast, right? Is not is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter and when you see the naked to clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? 
Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful promises? You know, I mean, it's, it's the result of, of God's chosen fast of seeking to reach out to the poor because that's what's on God's heart, right? And he says, your light will break forth, verse 8, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard, will be your protection, will protect your back. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger, and malicious talk. Uh, that's a biggie. It's a biggie in the church. Uh, you know, judging and pointing fingers. And the Lord says, If you'll do away with that, then I'll answer your prayers, right? I'll answer your prayers. And if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Isn't that wonderful? Rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noon day. Your night will become like the noon day. Hmm. Oh, God, help me now. Stay level here. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. Wow, wow. Ooh. Ooh. Let's just park there a minute while we chew on that. (laughs) Whoa. Ding dong. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us. He will guide you always. Let me read that again for those of you a little bit slow. (laughs) Those of you whose coffee filter has not been changed. (laughs) Verse 11. The Lord will guide you always. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Settle down now. Settle down. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Ding dong. Hey, hey! Do excuse me for getting a little bit excited. This is a wonderful promise. This is a wonderful word. I believe this word is for our generation. I believe this word is for our time in this time of darkness, in this time when things seem to be going to pot. This word is for us. It's for us. Hey! The shing is an arrow being fired. The boing is the arrow hitting your head. <laughs> I gotta explain. I gotta explain these things, Alan, because 
I'm not normal. Right? I'm not your normal speaker. I, I wish I could be. I have tried. The more I try to be normal, the more abnormal I become. Oh, oh God help us. Verse 12, for those of you following. <laughs> Wonderful promise. You know, Marcus asked me, he asked me what were the titles of the message. I think he asked me that two months ago. <laughs> so I just plucked whatever came into my head and I said, church and kingdom. Church and kingdom. But look here in verse 12, because really I, I think this is what we're called to. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Hey! If there's the condition. If, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you... Shing, 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 Boing, boing, boing. I will cause you. You won't even have to try. I will call you, says the Lord. Cause you. I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Wonderful promises, wonderful promises from God who watches over His Word to perform it. And according to Isaiah, you can link Isaiah 61 with this, you know, times of great darkness, light arising. So this, I just really, I, I feel, Alan, this, this word really it suits what you're doing, really. You know what I mean? It, it really is, is your, um, what do we call that? Uh, not testing me, but it's your foundation. It's your foundation. Because when you start to look after the poor, when you start to reach out, that really touches God's heart. Really touches God's heart because He loves the poor. And we are His hands. We are His feet. Then I want to take you just briefly to another, just a couple of verses. Because I believe that part of this, you know, drunkenness in the Spirit is to get us out of our minds and uh, it, it, that it's going somewhere. That it's not just foolishness. It's not just messing around. It's not just uh, um, a gimmick. 
it's, it's actually got purpose to it. It's taking us somewhere. Um, Jeremiah. Um, very interesting to study Jeremiah because Jeremiah, uh, isn't it strange that God always raised up the prophets when, when the church was offline, when the church wasn't fulfilling its destiny, when it was backsliding, God always raised up the prophets. The prophets were raised up in dark times. Elijah was raised up during the time of Jezebel when there was witchcraft in the land, when there was idolatry in the land, God raised up uh, Elijah. And when the Lord was wanting to do something major, a major shift, he, rose up Jer he raised up Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, uh, I think it's 23, I hope I always get this mixed up. Um, yeah, Jeremiah 23. And you can also read, read Jeremiah. If you really want to get the foundation of Jeremiah, you really need to read, read chapters 1 and 2 because that gives his calling. And when God called Jeremiah, he said, I've called you to uproot, pull down, to level, to plant, to sow, and to raise up. But before there could be any planting, before there could be any raising up, there had to be a leveling. And I believe that's what we're in at the moment. I believe we're in that season where in a sense God is dismantling what we call church. And depending on what your mindset is, um, <clears throat> whoa, <laughs> ding dong, <laughs> yaha. Uh, verse 9, uh, we really need to get into what church is, really. <laughs> yeah, we really need a, an understanding of what church is, because some people think church is the meeting, the program, the building, but church really is the redeemed ones, the called out ones, the ecclesia, those that have, we sang it tonight, those that believe in Jesus Christ, those that believe he died for our sins, was raised on the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit. Church is an invisible thing, and it consists of people, right? And it really only need two or three. But we have a mindset that a successful church is thousands or when we get so we're overflowing and if you're in England maybe over 500 if you're in America you know 10,000 whatever you know but those churches are very few and far between and true church is people true church is extended family true church is loving one another ministering to one another so Jeremiah in uh, 23 verse 9 says this, and this was a real blessing to me during the times when I couldn't speak for the first three and a half years of this drunkenness, launched itinerant to America and singing Beatles songs in the middle of the message, which was against my religion and against a lot of Americans' religion because they burnt the records, right? And I wasn't a Beatles fan, but I'm from Liverpool, right? And I'm singing these Beatles songs. And I'm drunk, and I'm out of my mind, and I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, you know that these people burnt the records. You know that these people don't like these songs. And the Lord said to me, John, you're prophesying in a secular way. You're prophesying. You understand that the Lord doesn't reveal His secrets to a lukewarm people that He reveals His secrets to those that are hungry, those that are thirsty, those that are passionate for Him. He reveals the deep things 
of God to those that really treasure Him, that worship Him. And so I was doing a lot of stuff that in the natural, if you were religious, you'd get offended because you, it wasn't in a religious terminology, if you understand. I was prophesying in a secular form, singing Beatles songs. And I said, Lord, you know, you know that the people don't like this. And the Lord says, John, you're prophesying a cultural change to the church. Just like when the Beatles came along, it changed the music. It changed the culture of the pop scene. And you're prophesying in a secular way to break a religious spirit. And that's really, really what we desperately need on it, is this breaking of this religiosity that has a lot of talk but very little walk, uh, a lot of talking but very little heart or passion. So Jeremiah in 23 verse 9, this is what really blessed me because this is, this is really what turned the light on for me of what the purpose of this drunkenness was because at the time I was being carried along on this uh, intoxication of joy out of my mind, out of my religiosity, doing things I would not do sober. Concerning the prophets, verse 9, my heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. In the early days in 94, in that move in Toronto, one of the things that you could, one of the characteristics of it was not just the laughter, but was the shaking. People were shaking, uh, would fall off their seats onto the floor, and, and they looked like a fish that had just come out of water, and it was bouncing all over the place, shaking, right? And the prophet's saying, my heart is broken, and my bones are shaking, shaking. And he says this, he says, my, he says, my heart is broken within me, all my bones tremble, I am like a drunken man. Hello? I see, we, we sanitize it. That's what my wife says as she was here tonight, and I think she shared it last time. One of the things that she always shares, Alan, and Jean is level, you know, she's the keel, she's my dignity, right? Uh, but one of the things that Jean says when I first came home in this state was, um, well, you read it in scriptures, but when it's actually in front of you, when it's, in, when it's personified in flesh and blood, it's hard for you to get your, your mind around it because we sanitize. We sanitize everything. And the prophet says, I'm like a drunken man, and a drunken man staggers. I mean, I've done most of that, you know. The good thing about being drunk for all those years was that when I was on an airplane flying to Texas one day in a storm, very bad storm, the plane was all over the place, and people got off that plane blue, you know, really shocked. And I got off, it was normal. It was normal. I've been, you know, I've been like this anyway. That was normal. It was normal. But a drunk, a drunken man does things that you don't do sober. I was in a church in uh, Nebraska. 
It's, it, it's Midwest. Uh, you have to, you know, you fly into Denver and you have to drive four hours. And you, you drive through places like uh, Cheyenne and Dodge City, you know, where Wyatt Earp, all the things that you saw as a kid, you know, in the cowboy movies. And I was in this church and I got so drunk at the end of the meeting. We were in a hotel. Uh, they were meeting in a hotel conference. And I was leaning on these pillars. There were two pillars and I was leaning on one of the concrete pillars and I found myself talking to the pillar. <laughs> you know, and I was telling the pillar how much I loved the pillar. You know, <laughs> you, are, you are so wonderful. You, you, nobody, really, nobody really considers what you've done for us tonight. You've, you've kept this roof up over our heads and I'm able to lean on you. And the next morning when I, I was considering what I'd done, I thought to myself, I'm losing my mind. I'm, I'm going out of my head. And then somebody, I read in scriptures that when Solomon built the temple, he built two pillars. And he named them. He named them. Bo, was it Boaz and Jehuahani? Yeah, yeah, that one in the Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he named them. And Jesus said, you can talk to mountains. Hello? So, you see, the problem is our religion as we built a paradigm that, that we can't see beyond that paradigm. You understand? And we've got to, especially in the West, because we're coming from a Greek mindset that likes to analyze everything, and everything's got to make sense, but you've got to understand that in the supernatural... Things happen that don't make sense. And that's why most times God speaks to us in dreams because He can bypass our Whoa! Ding dong! He can bypass our analyzing. And most of us want to understand it before we enter into it. But I found in the Spirit... When you move on the inspiration of the Spirit, the understanding comes after. Yeah. It comes after. Okay, ding dong, boing, hey, ho! <laughs> I told them I wasn't normal, though. You know, I mean, I've tried, I've practiced. I've practiced to be serious. You know. yes, uh, give the people three points, let them take notes. <laughs> mm, ding dong, hey! I was just with Alan's friend, Hilton, <laughs> who Alan shared a, a hotel room with in, in Brazil and didn't sleep for two weeks. <laughs> and uh, we were in a Hanuahaya. <laughs> we were in a ding dong, boing, hey and ho. We were in a, wow, we were in a house group, right? And uh, I was sharing with the people how I first entered into this prophetic, um, you know, with toys, like the anointing coming on toys. And one of the very first toys that I got was a, was a bee. I meant to bring her tonight, but, you know, she's 20 years old, and, you know, she has to get a rest, you know. <laughs> but her name was Debbie. Debbie the bee, and she has a little hat on, and she's Canadian, and she's got a Canadian flag, and she looks, she's got big eyes, and she looks drunk, <laughs> right? 
So I was explaining how the anointing came on this. This lady gave me this fee in Canada, and the anointing came on it. And I found myself in the prayer line going, buzz, 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 from one to the other. And, and then the Lord revealed to me that without the bee, there is no cross-pollination. Without the bee, there is no fruit. Without the cross-pollination, there is no fruit, right? So the whole thing was prophetic. But you see, our mindset of prophetic has always been words. Thus saith the Lord, have a nice day, ding dong, <laughs> boing, hey and ho. So I was explaining to the people, and I had Debbie the bee with me, and I was going along the line in the house group, just administering impartation of cross-pollination. That sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds a good, that's a good sentence to be able to get out of my mouth while drunk. <laughs> cross-pollination, what did I just say? Whoa! <laughs> oh! I said ding-dong! <laughs> Which incidentally, ding-dong is the bells at the bottom of the priest's garment. That when the presence came, you know, the bells went ding-dong, ding-dong, ding-dong. So, help me, Lord, help me. I'm rambling now. Help me, please help me. So I'm going around this room with the bee, and I get to Hilton, and he's, st you know, I'm praying over their heads, and he sticks his feet out, both feet out up in the air. I'm a strange Americans are strange people. <laughs> strange people. But he sticks his feet out in there and I'm touching his head, not his feet, right? But when I look at his feet, the soles of his shoes had an anchor. Whoa. An anchor on the sole of the shoe. And how I always know when God is doing something is it quickens, you understand? I look at something and it quickens me. It's like God puts a spotlight on it. And I saw this anchor, and at the moment I'm using the bee, and the Lord says, take his shoe off and go and hit the people on the head. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got this black guy, I forget his name, who's very shy, and I'm trying to encourage him, right? So I said, let's call him Vince, because I can't remember his name. Vince, <laughs> come and help me, get the shoe. And as I go with the bee, you whack him on the head, right? <laughs> so, so we're going along. The, see, it makes it interesting. It makes it interesting if, to have fun. You understand? You understand? To come into something, usually if you can come into it in fun, you can't claim the intelligence for it. Right? Because you're just having fun. We were just having fun, right? And I find when you're having fun, you relax. And you're not uptight, and you can receive, right? So Vince is following me, and I'm going buzz, and he's going whack. <laughs> buzz, whack, buzz, whack. But he's going so gentle. He's a, it's a, no, not you, bro. He's going like he doesn't want to hurt the people, you know. I said, I said... I said, Vince, I can't because I don't have a shoe on me, sis, with the anchor, you know what I mean? I couldn't borrow Hilton's shoes, you know what I mean? I couldn't. You're not going to whack No, no. So, 
I said to Vince, imagine it's a coconut. But he still didn't do it properly, you know what I mean? And at the end of it, they said, oh, it's your turn now. And by then, Vince had got bold. And he hit me three times really hard. <laughs> in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. So then we go to the next church. And now, usually what happens is the anointing comes on something, and it lasts for a season. You understand? You can't make a... You can't make a tradition out of it. When the anointing lifts off it, you move on to something else. So you go to the next church. But I find that the Lord usually develops it. So we get to the next church, and I'm going around, hitting the people on the head, and the lady pastor says to me, have you seen what's written on that shoe? I hadn't. I'd only seen the anchor. But over the anchor was the name Margarita, which is a drink. It's a drink. I didn't think much of it. I just went along. Oh, okay, it's margarita. But on my final Sunday morning in, uh, in Wisconsin, I was doing a Sunday morning service, then flying home. I got to the church and I had nothing to give, right? I d you know, because I can't just get up and minister what God... You know, you understand what I mean? I can't just get up and give you a three-point sermon. I have to have something that God has ministered to me. So I'm sitting there in the pew, and I said to Elton's wife, I've got nothing to give. And I looked at the shoe again, margarita, and I said to her, Google what margarita means, because I didn't even you know, realize it was a cocktail. And in the early days of this experience, I'd been serving cocktails with the shoe, the, uh, what's that, heel, sole, boot, shaken. Not stared. I used to imagine I was James Bond going <laughs> along the prayer lines. Would you like a drink, madam? Would you like a cocktail? Shaken, not stirred, on the rock. Bang. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the pew, and the Lord says to me, look up, Google it on Margarita. Google it. And I Googled it. And do you know where it is? It's a drink in a champagne-style glass. Champagne is celebration. And along the rim, they put salt. Right? <laughs> and it says in the preparation, be careful not to disturb the salt. Wow. Uh -oh. And I look at me, where do I? And I said to the people, the preparation, the preparation for a move of the Spirit is you've got to be thirsty. Hello. You've got to be hungry. You've got to be desperate. You've got to come into a place where you are not satisfied. And as the cry went out in 94, your cry is, God, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Be careful not to disturb the salt. Well, what is the salt? It's what makes you thirsty. Hello. Yeah. Jesus said, if the, if the salt has lost its savor, it's good for nothing. And oh, there's a need for a hunger in the church. 
there's a need for a hunger in the church. And oh, God help me, God help me, God help me. Sometimes I feel like I'm drilling holes in the boat I'm in, <laughs> if you understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's my living, bro. And I'm drilling holes in it. A cocktail shaken, not stirred on the rock. Hello, on the rock. Shing-boing, hey! This is how, this is a, I, you know, my son's always asking me questions, well, <laughs> my son's always asking me questions, what about this dad, what about that dad, what about this dad, hmm, <laughs> that woke some of you up, <laughs> do, do forgive me. Coming back to this Jeremiah. The reason God got him drunk was he had a message that he could not give sober. <laughs> That's true. He could not give it sober. Why? Because his message, if you read the book of Jeremiah, his message was one of, you know, his time was one of, the prophets were prophesying God will never destroy the temple. And you've got to understand, the temple was the heart of the nation. Solomon had built it and said, if your people are in trouble any time and they turn to the temple and if they pray towards the temple, you will answer their prayers, right? That was the heart of the nation. And the prophets were prophesying God will never destroy the temple. And Jeremiah had a message to say, Hey, yeah. the temple will be destroyed. Oh. Now, what is the message? Oh, God help us. God help us. God help us. Oh. Oh. Because I believe the message is today that God is destroying what we conceive as church. Hello? Let me repeat that because some of you think I'm saying God will destroy the church. He will not destroy the church. Church will not be destroyed. But what we perceive as the church... And so I had to get drunk. But I didn't realize, I didn't realize, even in this at Hilton's place, uh, Alan, we were having such fun. But do you know the thing that struck me? In all the fun, there was such a depth of seriousness. Be careful not to disturb the salt. So where are we? You know, uh, and I've been a pastor, I've been a pastor 15 years, bro, 12 years in one place, three years in another, 
oh god help me help me help me because this is such a thin line this is such a this is such a narrow line that you can take it one way or the other and you can misinterpret what, what i'm saying but what i'm saying is that our concept of 2000 years of church the lord is demolishing it's not the devil it's not the devil he's demolishing something He's uprooting something. He's clearing the ground to build something. Hello! To build something. And the only word I can think of is kingdom. Kingdom! 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 His kingdom. His kingdom. Shing-boing! Hey! Oh, God, help us, help us. Help us, help us, Lord, help us. Help us, help us, help us. Help us, help us, help us. Help us. Kingdom's wider than church. When you think of church, you think of locality. Kingdom is wider. Bigger. Hello. Hello. Hmm. I'm like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord. Hello. Now, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what, what you. I don't know what your beliefs are, Alan. And I don't know what what your belief system is in here. But in America, you can go to places and like the teetotal. You, you understand. You don't even talk about having a glass of wine or, you know, teetotal. So the word, the very action of being drunk is offensive. It's offensive. But you know, as uh, John Arnett once said, God offends our minds to reveal our heart. And I found under this anointing, most of the stuff I've done under this anointing in my drunkenness, Alan, you know, I, I mean, splashing water, you know, I'm, I'm Baptist background, yeah. full immersion. I get drunk and I'm sprinkling. <laughs> yeah? Well, but even on people's expectation, even on people's expectation on the drunkenness, you know, what they come to a meeting for is, well, oh, we're going to have some fun tonight and, you know, we're going to get drunk and we're going to roll on the floor. Well, amen, if God does that, but my heart is God's presence. Amen. God's presence. Whatever God wants to do, if He wants us to sit seriously in our seats and <laughs> sit upright and ding-dong, <laughs> then let it be. Let it be. Let it, let it be. We want the Spirit of God to manifest in whatever way He wants to manifest. And this next two nights, we want God to do whatever He wants to do in whichever way He wants to 
do it. Boing. Hey! But we will not despise the craziness. Hello? We will not despise the craziness because in my in my ding dong boing hey and ho, I found that the craziness is only crazy when you don't understand it. When you don't understand it, but when you get the understanding, there's revelation. Ding dong. There is revelation. It is very profound. Now, quickly, quickly now. This is your pilot speaking. <laughs> your pilot has a drink problem. <laughs> Please fasten your seatbelts. I think we're going to hit a little bit of turbulence. But if you'll ride the turbulence, if you'll ride the turbulence, you'll come into something bigger, better, greater, higher, deeper, wider. If you'll ride the turbulence, shing boing. Hey! I believe that God wants to reveal things to us. He wants to reveal the deep things of God. The deep things that our religious minds cannot grasp. I told you, madam, fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> What's up with these people, Alan? Where, where did you get these people from? Where? Don't you have somebody at the door to vet them as they come in? They're from another church. They're what? They're what? from another church. Can you speak slowly, bro? I cannot. <laughs> I cannot understand the accent. <laughs> They're from another church. They're not your church, bro. Not your mine. church are normal people. No, all the sensible ones are mine. All the sensible, all the sensible ones are yours. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> Send them some crazy ones, Lord. Send them some crazy ones. Oh, we go. Oh, we go. Uh, just a little testimony, Alan. Just a little shing When on the on the first few years of, of this church I went to to pastor. When I first went to pastor this church, I told them I could only stay six months. <laughs> I ended up staying twelve years, right? But halfway through that the Lord said to me, Hey! He said, take them down to the waters and I'll sift them. Shake. And all the ones I thought would stay, like the normal ones. <laughs> but nobody's normal. Nobody's normal. Nobody's normal. 
You don't want to be normal. <laughs> All the ones I thought would stay left. And I was left with what I considered, hey, the weak ones. I was left with the weak ones, but I want to tell you something. Ding dong, boing, hey, and ho, oh, your pilot speaking, do forgive me. We've gone to another level. And the oxygen is not getting to my brain. I was in, in well, I'm always in Brazil, no <laughs> but I, I was in Brazil and Sergio was taking me to a vineyard. Vineyard, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful vineyard, right? It was owned by a Christian family for 40 years, right? And I've got it on video, and I'm still trying to get it edited, bro, when I sober up enough <laughs> to, to get, get the cuts done. But the thing that struck me was... <laughs> What's wrong with these people, sir? What's wrong with them? The thing that struck me was, he said to me, he said, John, he didn't say that to me because he couldn't speak English. But <laughs> he said it in Portuguese. <laughs> and the translator said to me, he said, John, he said, the, the weakest part of the vine is the branches. Hello? The weakest part of the vine that bears the fruit is the branches and the strongest part is the trunk. The root. Our problem in the church is we've been trying to get so wise that we don't need him. And we think to be full of the Holy Ghost is to be strong. No. When you're at your... When you're at your strongest is when you're at your weakest. Hey! Wow! Where was I, bro? I've lost my way a little bit. I just lost half the church. I just lost half the church. You forgive me if I've offended you. That's what I tell the Americans, you know, I say to the Americans, do forgive me if I've offended you, it's my culture. I'm supposed to ask for forgiveness, I don't really mean it, but... Because <laughs> 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 uh, it's like a different culture over there, you know, it's a different culture. You know, when you're on that plane and you ask for a glass of water, yeah. the girl looks at you. <laughs> what? Water? <laughs> what? Water, 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 water. That's why you've got to pronounce it different. You know, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. <laughs> There's a shaking going on. Now, oh, God, please. Oh, God, please. I'm going to pray a little prayer first of all before I say this next thing. <laughs> I should have left this to the second night, Alan. No, but, uh, <laughs> then leave town. 
That's another secret. That's another ministry tip in my ministry book, you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't hang around once you've given the message. <laughs> Get out of town. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes it goes off before you can get out of town. <laughs> oh God, oh God, oh God, I pray. This is my prayer, Lord, before I say this. Don't let Alan lose anybody <laughs> that he was never meant to lose. That's what I used to pray all the time. You know, go to these churches drunk and I'd see the pastor being working hard, you know. And I'm getting into the pulpit and I know I'm going to offend half his congregation. <laughs> I say, God, don't let, the, don't let this man lose <laughs> any of his sheep because of me. <laughs> <laughs> and he says to me, the Lord says, John, he will not lose any he was never meant to lose. He never had them in the first place. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually doing him a favor. <laughs> I am. I'm Dino Rod. <laughs> I'm clearing the blockages. <laughs> some pastors, you know what, Alan? Some pastors, some pastors would say to you, take your freedom, John, take your freedom. What they really were hoping was, I'd be so bad at close the church. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to be there anymore. You know, like the pastor that said to his wife one Sunday morning, do I have to go? <laughs> and the wife says, yes, honey, you're the pastor. <laughs> and li listen, listen. I was shocked when I started traveling. Well, I was drunk, but the thing that shook me was when you're ministering in one place for 12 years, you think that all the problems are just your little situation. Then you travel. What's that, what's that old adage that says travel widens, broadens the mind? You travel and you begin to realize, no, it's not just this little place here. It's the same problem there. I was very strict, Pastor Alan. I was very strict. My son will tell you. That's why I could sympathize with people that, that didn't understand because I knew I would have excommunicated myself <laughs> for some of the things I was doing under this anointing. I knew I would have excommunicated myself so I could understand how they felt. But for me, <laughs> I'm trying to get to a serious point here, bro. It's getting hot in here. I was a serious pastor, right? 
And uh, you had to have a doctor's note to miss the meeting. <laughs> you know, we had a special speaker in town. I expected everybody that was a member of the church to be there. Yeah, that's true. Commitment. I got drunk. And the Lord turned my whole concepts upside down. Number one, I thought that the Spirit was serious, powerful, which He is. But then I discovered He was childlike. That God was a father and loved to play with His children. That He wasn't a God in heaven looking down on us to see what mistakes we'd made, but that He loved us so much, He sent His only Son to hang on a cross, to rise again on the third day, to shed His blood, to make us righteous, to give us an inheritance. Hello? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Now listen, listen. In the natural, when you get drunk in the natural, you see things. <laughs> oh, we have a drunk in the meeting. <laughs> you see things, right? Now, drunkenness in the natural is a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. Why is it a counterfeit? Because the devil doesn't want you to get sloshed in God. Because if you get sloshed in Him, and oh God, I'm trying to beat around the bush here to make this as palatable as possible. <laughs> oh! I began to see things. Sound effects. <laughs> I began to hear things, right? What I began to hear in the church and see on the church, number one on the music, lament, lament, lament. And I'm not saying this tonight just because I'm here tonight, bro, but I thought it was such, so refreshing tonight to have something with a bit of go in it <laughs> and a bit of life in it. But on the whole, if you listen to the, to the music that's out now in worship, there's a lament on it. Daryl Stott was a guy who got drunk the same time as me, and we did a conference together in that same church in Nebraska. Did I ever finish that story? I don't think I did. It <laughs> <laughs> is always tomorrow. <laughs> but we were doing a four-day conference, Alan, and I got there two days after him, right? And when I got there, the music team were ready to down tools, right? Young music team. And the reason was, Daryl got up and told them publicly, the angels don't like your music. 
<laughs> That's the problem of being drunk. You say what you see and what you hear, right? And he told them, and they were ready to down tools. Well, why didn't they like, 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 why didn't they like the music? Well, number one, it was all about them. There was no lifting up the Lord. There was no magnifying Him. It was all about me, 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 me. Me, 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 help me, Lord. Oh, poor me, Lord. <laughs> hey! Uh -oh. <laughs> so I began to hear lament. I began to see poverty on the church. Now, hello, something's wrong. Something is wrong. Why? Because we are children of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Those who are of faith are children of Abraham. And if we are children of Abraham, then we have an inheritance and our inheritance is to be a blessing to the nations. And we can't be a blessing to the nations if we're poor. You can't. You can't help anybody if you're poor. So I began, I call this winology. <laughs> winology, right? When you're drunk, you think about these things. <laughs> well, why is it, Lord? Why is it? Why is it? And the Lord said, the problem is, John, it's a religious system. It's a religious system. What do you mean, a Yeah. Oh, God, help me be polite. Do you know what the miracle is? Do you know what the miracle is, church? God got me drunk 20 years ago. And in Gene's words, if the leaders could have killed me, they would have done. Oh, God, please. I'm not. I, please, Alan, please. Why did he get me drunk? To have a party? Yes, but more than a party. Because I found at times when I was in places, speaking in places, or trying to speak, and most times when I couldn't speak and just be crazy were the most powerful times, that something broke in the atmosphere. Amen. Because I was dealing with a principality and power that was over the people's minds, and the only way it could be broken was through foolishness. Yeah. <laughs> hey! Oh, oh. 
Listen, please, please. Hear God. I had a lady call me a couple of years ago on the phone. I think she was American. She said, John, I don't want to go to church anymore. And before, you know, out of my head, right, in my head I would have said, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Right? But I heard myself say to her, then why are you going? Why are you sitting in a place that's killing you? That's not the church. The church is the called out ones. If you're called here, for instance, at the bay, God has called you here at the bay. If God hasn't called you here at the bay, you will be the biggest hindrance to the flow of the Spirit, to the growth. If God has called you here, then give everything you've got. There's a, there's a passage, I think it's 2 Peter chapter 1, and it talks about adding to your faith. And then if you add all these things, you will be immovable unshakable, and then one of the little things it says, add to your faith brotherly kindness. Wouldn't that be wonderful, sis, if everybody, wouldn't that be wonderful if everybody here tonight purposed in their heart to be kind to one another? (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be supercalifragilistic? Exbiala, shing boing, ding dong, docious. Your work, Alan, would be so easy. Everybody loved one another. If your concept of church was not a meeting, not a building, not a program, but one another. I never understand. You know that, Alan. You've been in You've been in ministry. I've been saved 40 odd years. I've been in leaders' meetings. I remember the time when I first got saved and I'd sit in a conference and they'd say, Friday morning is for leaders. And I'd think, oh, I can't go. Now I say, I don't want to (laughs) go. No, no. Listen, listen, I'm not, I've I've got to uproot, pull down. Level. In order to build and to plant, you can't build and plant when you've got an old building or an old structure that the anointing of God was on a hundred years ago and you're still worshipping it. Hey! You've got to have something fresh. You wouldn't believe I wish I could. I want to write a few books. Yeah. One, one book I want to write, I can't write till I die. Okay. <laughs> <Come on>. Well, <laughs> 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 my son said he'll publish it. <laughs> it's called, Once You've Been in the Kitchen, You Don't Want to Eat the Food.
Oh, what do you mean? What do you mean? Because in some ways we've put, we, we all almost idolize ministry. In America, everyone's got a card. This is my ministry. This is my ministry. This is my. We idolize it. It costs to be in ministry. It costs. That's the other thing, the standards of... Standards. It costs. I've gone very serious now, though. I'm trying to land this plane. On a joyful note. <laughs> Please fasten your seatbelts. I don't want to get you too depressed. But if you can see the big picture, if you can see the Lord shaking stuff, leveling stuff, that something's coming forth, which is the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom. It's childlike. You can't enter it. You can't move in it lest you become childlike. You've got to almost come and say, I know nothing. I've been saved 40 years and I know less now than when I first began. Amen? On a sober note, Al. <laughs> <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? You're not, I'm, I'm not saying God destroyed the church. I'm saying there's something wrong if there's no joy. If the people are poor, something wrong. I don't know how to finish this, Alan. I'm trying to finish it on a good note, bro. Let's just lift our chins and let's have a drink. We need a drink. Just take a drink. Take a drink. Take a deep one, a deep one. Lord, I ask for... Uh, the church here. I ask for your blessing, your multiplication blessing on the work of their hands. I ask that you'll bless the people. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. Hey! Hey! 